And we are back in. We are back again here with part three of Salt of the Streets, episode 125. Thank you again for joining us. Obviously here on our YouTube.com slash Salt of the Streets. We also have our Instagram, Instagram.com slash Salt of the Streets. Facebook for Facebook.com slash Salt of the Streets. And the Patreon, of course, the Patreon.com slash Salt of the Streets. If you want to go there, subscribe, help us make more, better content, become a patron. We have the book club. We have the newsletters, the beer shows that are coming out all the time. So go there, help us make more, better content just like that. I want to thank leggings and aprons she's on for a little while for two of the cake drops um swab blended for the haircuts lexi kyle on twitch if you want to go there and watch some video games and location skate shop in downtown bremerton if you need a skateboard um i was well oh, personal social media that's oh word but it came up there no i'm sorry go ahead uh alpaca donovan at on instagram and social street on twitter calling is a big bird off on both those things that's all go ahead uh, i was going to ask you um you're a prescriber to dumpster fire now. You you watch the dumpster yep. fire, Bridget Fetacy. Yep, um, you need to be watching because her and Jordan are both going to be giving birth real close to the same time. Yeah. So your guys' next child might coincide with Bridget Fetacy's child. There you go. So you got to watch out for that. Zeke, you ever watch yeah. dumpster fire on YouTube or know who Bridget Fetacy no. is? No. Oh, man. It is a great time. It's, it's such a good way to... To just sit back and like laugh at the burning world and lets you just kind of like, you know, all this bad news, all the world ending stuff, you know, you got to take time to laugh at it, man. You can't take it too seriously. Otherwise, we'll all go insane. Right. I mean, that's kind of what I use Rick and Morty for, but, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll use that. <laughs> dude, that episode, I, Rick and Morty's fucking great. Let's yes, just put it that way. There's great, dude. It's nobody does it amazing. better. That is a wild ass beer, by the way. Isn't it? That is a full-bodied pilsner. I I went through 24 German imported beers during uh, December, and it was one of those like advent calendar deals. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, if uh, for all you viewers and listeners out there, if you didn't catch that, you catch that on our YouTube page. It's all on. Uh, I think there's a playlist for it and all that stuff. That's right. Instagram um, too. And oh yeah, on the on the Instagram. But uh, this is wild. I, there's actually I don't know if you could see it in there. There's like sediment. You got the yeast proteins and stuff floating around on here. Some you don't floaters. usually see that in a pilsner. This is really good. Yeah, it's like a mm. little bit fruity. You know, yeah, it's sour on the front and then the aftertaste. I I'm feel a like huge. Is a I could drink that all day, yeah. dude. There's a little bit more if you want the rest of this. I didn't. Here, drink the rest of this first. I okay. Didn't, I didn't know it was gonna be so good. Yeah, press my arm a little yeah. bit. <laughs> so um, if you guys were here during uh, the last segment, uh, part two, we are going to do kind of a little switcherooski because uh, Ivan is a is a loving and caring father, and he's taking care of some family duties right now. So we're going to kind of jump ahead to our originally scheduled part four. And so we're going to talk about the newest Supreme Court judge. Um, I think they're calling her... KBJ now. She's like the That's new acronym, yeah. right? That's what I wrote down. Yeah. Here. Oh man. They are. She's she's and she's been on I she's not even ruled over any cases yet and she's already has an acronym. Oh, she's yeah. KBJ. Yes. Um so Oh my god. Uh -huh. Yeah, so we're going to talk about this for a little bit. So, I have a little bit of a preface and then we'll kind of get into the conversation. So, like I said I watched all but 3 hours of the questioning. And so, sorry about that. And I, we, I stopped watching and I told Colin because we got, I got to the end and she's been asked, answering questions for like 18 hours or something like that. And now the Democrats are at the point where they're asking her questions 
that are just, could you expand on this particular idea? And so she has no idea what they're going to ask her. So there's no prepared answer for it. She's talking really slow and it's no, it's no hit on her because she, she doesn't know what they're going to say. And she's been at it for 18 hours. So this is, but the hearings itself are unlistable at that point. She's talking very slow. She's repeating herself a lot because she's trying to think while she's talking at the same time. And it's been so long. And at that point, it's just unlistable. She's, her answers are like, you know, uh, in my time as a judge, I've learned that in your job as a judge, you have to do things that are very difficult because being, uh, you know, a judge is very difficult. And like, it, and it's, it is unlistenable. But not quite as bad as Kamala Harris's. Uh, it's time to do what we've been doing. No, the time is no, it's <laughs> not, not quite that bad. No, not quite as okay, bad as that. Right, but it's yeah. it gets pretty close. And so I just had to stop. But I got the vast majority of it. So my only real preface to it, right, is that so obviously she's the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. And that was one of Joe Biden's promises is that, you know, if I have a Supreme Court nomination in my time, it's going to be a black woman. I don't have a I don't have any problem with this. Right. My my issue with this whole narrative is that let me start with this. I have no doubt and I don't really have any reason because I've heard opinions either way. I don't have really any reason to believe that she's not qualified to be a, to be a Supreme Court justice. I don't have any reason to believe that other than that some people's opinions, other people have ruled the other way. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know anywhere near enough about the law to judge whether or not she's truly qualified, right? I think that by because there's no set criteria even to be a Supreme Court justice other than mm -hmm. the few qualifying factors, but I do believe that by making the scope of your search so narrow in the beginning, you nearly virtually guarantee you are not going to find the best candidate because you are looking in such a small group. And that doesn't mean that she's not a good candidate and that she's not qualified, mm -hmm. but because you are not looking at everybody, you are virtually guaranteeing that you do not have the best possible candidate. Mm -hmm. But I also would acknowledge that there's no way to really say who the best candidate could be because there isn't a set criteria so she could be and i like i said i can't say for certain that she's not but you almost guarantee that she's not the very best person at all because you only looked at a certain category of people mm -hmm. yeah you're, you're how would you put that i mean the way in which you discriminated to get to your ultimate categorical list by default, you have to consider the fact that you overlook somebody right. because you Who didn't might be look better. at everybody. Right. You know, and that people discriminate all the time. We've talked about proper uses of discrimination and how that works and the what the word really means and how it is. And in this case, Joe Biden discriminated against every single possible Supreme Court judge nomination that wasn't a black woman. Right. And I mean, I don't know how, like you said, I don't know how many people there might have been, but obviously it begs the question, who didn't you look at? I mean, just for intersectional reasons, why did you not look at right. everybody? It seems like if you're going to go with their line of logic that I, it's been shoved down our throats since day one, there's not enough diversity on the bench like that. Right. So you have to. In there, in you have to look at things intersectionally at that point, and so then you make a decision from America. there. And, yeah, and obviously, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know who might have worked if you didn't interview or look at at least everybody that 
was qualified. You just said the only the only people unless you're a black woman, you need not apply. But, right. But also, I do recognize the reality of our political situation is it, uh, that was something that he decided to hitch his, his campaign wagon to, and he doesn't need to think about it. There are enough, uh, you know, Democratic donor uh, uh, PACs and, and super PACs or, or 501c3s that donate to, you know, that are so involved with the Democratic Party and their nominations and all this. They have a list ready to go to fit XYZ type of categor categorical discrimination. Right. And they say, okay, pick her. The Republicans do the same thing. They get a list from like uh, uh, like the Federalist Society or something like that, and they go, okay, well, those are our top choices. That's how you get a Ray Rachel Levine as the deputy uh, general or yes. whatever, as the, as the health department. <laughs> That's, like, she is perfect. Yes. <laughs> she is the one for this job. Man, that patriarchy is so crafty. And she's a doctor? Right. That's great. <laughs> like, That's That's perfect. Let's find the highest job possible. Oh. Let's get her in there. Yeah. So, did Zeke, do you have anything to say on this <laughs> this initial? Point? No, bro, bro. I have. Like, I'm not going there. <laughs> yes. No, it's just like, uh, you know, I try to put my politics aside on it. I don't know what her track record is on it. Yeah. So she doesn't have a track record, so it would be disingenuous of me to be like, to just make these assumptions. It would be like a Brett Kavanaugh type deal by making assumptions based off of what Republicans are saying about her right. or what Democrats like for and me, can... just, I'm going to give her a chance. I'm I, and then we'll see what her track record is on what she, you know, goes for or against. Right. And just actually speak louder than words. I don't care about any fucking, yep. all the, all that is, is just a dog and pony show. Really. When you go through that fucking Senate hearing or that congressional oh, yeah. hearing, it's just a big dog and pony show, waste of fucking taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately just. It's going to be on along team lines. So. Yeah. Well, let me ask you that. That's the watchword. Yeah, right. In, in that kind of vein of thought, um, you know, your overall thoughts on, on the idea that, you know, who's, whose spot was she replacing? Um, Judge Kennedy. No, no, no not no, Kennedy, no. but uh, it, it was a, a strongly considered kind of like reserved Breyer. progress Breyer, Justice Breyer. Okay, uh, yeah. Like it was a liberal vote in, yeah. in the colloquial use of like how people look at the Supreme Court. So it was a it was a it was a hard left vote. And so you filled the shoes with somebody that's another hard left vote. It's obviously it's it's toxic to the extreme when we actually care if we care about a republic to think that way but recognizing the reality on the ground of what it is it's almost like nobody really cares because it's like well nothing's changed at this point you've you've kept you know the 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 two sides waging a constant war to get the one extra vote or the two extra votes whenever you can i mean basically the battle lines stayed where they're at no front has changed everybody's the same thing and so it's almost like who really cares that's almost why i think we got kind of like a lackluster uh republican uh, defense you know if you will or an attack on her it was pretty right. mild I mean, there were some things i'm sure we'll get into about like her rulings on on like uh pedophilia cases or something like that or yeah. sexual stuff yeah, like I mean, that there which... was there was something about if she could define what a what a woman, woman was yeah. And I mean, and that's that, just a that bothered question. me, but that was just like, 
whatever. Uh, right. So, who? Because whoever asked that, just to put a bow on it, whoever asked it knows what they were asking and knew that she couldn't say anything. And it's yeah. if you watch more than one of these circus shows, like you know what you're in for. And a question like that just kind of pisses you off because you know you got to sit here for 15 more minutes until they get to the next person to ask their questions. Like, you're just wasting my fucking time now that I got to sit here plugged into C-SPAN and watch this this shit show unfold. And then all the stupid headlines are going to come out the next day and all this. When when it comes to actual substance and, and questions that have import and matter, it's not one of those. It's just a waste of time. You know. Everyone did their traditional thing. Sheldon Whitehouse talked about dark money on both days. So for 30 minutes, he talked to her about dark money, which doesn't really have anything to do with her unless they're going to see a case that's going to overturn Citizens United or something. Yeah. Then she doesn't have anything to do with that. They're asking her a bunch of questions or framing questions in the way that it would be her personal opinion in which she can't answer. And they're saying, well, why the fuck won't you answer this question? Yeah. You know, there was a lot of stuff like that. So... The same thing you were getting pissed off when people were talking to Gorsuch about. There you were know? many people who used it to make points about, about Kavanaugh. And there were many people who used it to talk about the shadow docket and talked about different aspects of the court that they don't like. Mm -hmm. And they used her, even though she's not even on the court yet, as a window to talk about this issue for 50 minutes collectively over a few days. Which, again, becomes fucking torturous to listen to. You yeah. know? So, the biggest point that I drew from this right mm -hmm. does stem around these pedophilia charges but really has n little to do with her because over these days and the reading that i've done my understanding is is that it's true that the way that she rules on these cases is not specific to her this is how a large majority of the of the judicial system is ruling on these cases for a few very particular reasons mm -hmm. right so and especially because I'm not sure, and because because I'm not a lawyer, I'm not sure the ways in which these rulings would affect her rulings as a Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much this bears relevance on her job or position there, right? Yeah, because no Supreme Court justice is going to be sitting there hearing the case of a pedophile no, that had child porn and exactly. then giving him a sentence. That's she's not, not going to be – have she has nothing to do with mm -hmm. sentencing when she's on the Supreme Court, nothing to do with the defining of the laws, nothing to do with yeah. the changing of the laws. So – this, to me, the issue is much more of the trend that her rulings represent than the way that she is ruling. Because she has children. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any reason to believe over what I've seen from her that she wants there to be more child sex abuse imagery in the world. Mm. I don't have any reason to believe that that's what she wants because that seems silly. I, yeah. I don't know why she would want that when she has children. It doesn't make any sense to me. So... I don't have any reason to believe that she wants there to be more pedophilia, more child abuse, more any of that stuff. I don't have any reason to believe that. So it seems the only large point about the political parties I will make, I think, is that it seems weird the Republicans didn't focus on that, mm -hmm. the trend that they're representing, because I think they didn't want to acknowledge the role Congress has in the definition of those sentencing guidelines. And I think it's odd that the Democrats wanted to take so much responsibility away from the justices and focus so much on them and also choose still not to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Because the sentencing guidelines are up to Congress. They yeah. are the ones that either define what the guidelines are or they come up with a commission who will define what the guidelines are. And yeah. she, Kentonji Brown Jackson, was on that sentencing commission when it existed before. And just, I don't know if we actually ever said it out loud, but 
part uh, the argument at this point is that her sentencing towards people that are involved in child sexual abuse imagery and things like that on online. Uh, she was accused of essentially handing out very lenient sentences. That yes. is that correct? Yes. Okay. And these, which yeah, charges... most judges necessarily have gui- sentencing guidelines that are developed yes. by committees and, and things like that. Then off of those sentencing guidelines, there are statutes that they follow, and she's talked about and seems to be justified in my reading. There is statutes that lay out further guidelines and things the judges need to consider when they are taking those guidelines into account and doing the sentencing because of the way that this is being done there are a few ideologies in place excuse me that are somewhat commonplace that are leading into this type of sentencing right and one of them is that when these original guidelines around child sex abuse imagery were laid out computers were not really around so most of the imagery was sent over the mail and so it is based off of the s- sentence length is largely based off of the amount of imagery that you have. These judges argue that because it's done on the computer now, it is easier to get more images. And so it no longer indicates a higher level of depravity for someone to have 10,000 Im- images like it would have when you had to collect it all through the mail. Yeah. If you got a thousand like actual like Polaroids or Kodak, yes. you know, I you understand know. that argument. I don't care. Yeah. But also fuck you. It doesn't matter to me as an American, as a parent, as a, as a human being, whether you have one image of legitimate child sex abuse imagery or if you have 10,000. Yeah. Right? And that was going to be my next question to you real quick. Was, it would it matter if it was just one? It doesn't matter to me. And the I would I would lay out these these I think I boiled it down to four categories. I'll, I would lay them out right here at the beginning. Right? The way that I see this particular issue. Being of a child of the technological age God damn it, Zeke, you went to school when this happened. We know people that when they were teenagers received nudes from other people and then were sex offenders until they were 18, 21 years old because they got pictures of people they were with or were talking to. And I'm not justifying this because it's stupid either way, right? Yeah. To send nudes is a bad idea, especially if you're a child because it's fucking child sex abuse imagery, right? Yep. But this is a category in which I would say, okay, we're talking about a quote-unquote exception here in which a 17-year-old send a picture to another 16-year-old or whatever the fuck, right, of where this is not a child being abused. This child was making a mistake, Yeah. right? There is also the instance, especially in the modern technological age, I would understand and acknowledge that in the tube-style porn sites, right, um, where it's a compilation, just like YouTube, it's a compilation of all of the videos that are on the internet aggregated into one place in which you could find yourself watching a video, not of a child being abused, but of someone who is 17 years old that you don't know is 17 years old because it's in a teen category, mm-hmm. right? And you could watch this and find that on your IP and be like, I literally didn't know that this person was underage, but this video was uploaded to this site and I consumed this entertainment. Mm-hmm. I would... On that note, implore anybody watching this, don't even watch a video that has the word teen in it. No, don't bro. don't Why put you yourself in that? a position in which you could accidentally find yourself there, right? No. Because there's a that's a real thin line 
of justification of it was an accident to well I knew what I was getting myself into. Yeah. And I'm not trying to dig anybody out of anything. These are just kind of the ways that I'm seeing this problem, right? There are also instances, Alex Jones is a good example of people being sent child sex abuse imagery yes. and it's being found on their computer that they did not download, yeah. but it was sent to them. Right? Sitting in that email folder that you yes. haven't opened in fucking this, six, nine months. This is another exception that I would exception quote unquote that i would see in this and the fourth category that i would see again this is boiled down it's over just a few days of thinking so there's we could argue forever about it but the fourth category of people who are actively seeking and using and consuming distributing child sex abuse imagery mm -hmm. right there's a further distinction pe between people who are creating and people who are consuming and distributing but i think that the punishment should go from severe to ultra severe yeah. you know that's kind of where i'm at with it like if you have one image to any number of images, your punishment should be extremely severe. Yep. And if you are found to have 10,000 images or whatever the fuck, let's make it progressively more severe. But I don't think, you know, one of these instances that's in here, there was a kid who was 18 years old and he had um, some child sex abuse imagery and he got, he ended up getting three months, right? And one of the reasons is, um, you know, he is pretty young and I don't think that he's a pedophile because if you have these images, this is another one of her justifications that's, that's questioned is that if you have these images, are you, does that necessarily make you a pedophile? I would argue, yes. I don't see why this distinction necessarily matters, right? Mm -hmm. Because Again, we've talked about before the distinction between pederasty and pedophilia, whether or not you've committed pedophilic acts or you have or you pedophilic just... tendencies, right? Because you are fucked in the head. There's, yeah. There are differences here, and I think that it's splitting hairs that it doesn't... I don't care. As a citizen of this country, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care at all. As a moral and ethical crime... I don't care. You, Yeah. One is enough, and it doesn't matter how it happens. It happens. Yes. You know, And then there's the alternative you know the how it's perceived under the law type of situation which is different but yeah to to be somebody like that that has those like images or you know if you're somebody like i don't know anybody that's talked about it like that like on the internet thankfully My, milo got real close but um i think yeah. he just went straight into like actual abuse that he you know happened to him but right. you know if if that's if that's happening like it's it's a moral it's a moral crime like you i don't want somebody to be thinking about that even if they don't act on it right but the minute they act on it it becomes a different thing because i'm not going to accuse you of a thought crime right right if you express it out loud and you describe it to the world on the internet then then you fall into the legal category to me. Then it's time. Right. Like, I don't care if you haven't acted on it. If you're going to get on fucking TikTok and talk about that kind of shit, then you need to go away for a, forever. Then I, I feel like taking a page out of the South Carolina book. And if you just continue to think about it, then we'll go with the firing squad. But then if you act on it, we'll, we'll go to the electric chair because severe to ultra severe. You know, that's, that's I think, appropriate anyways. Yeah. But... It, does this not illustrate a a kind of severe problem in our judicial judicial yes judicial system yes the fact that there has to be sentencing guidelines necessarily put out through committees and this that and the other thing and approved and and then the judges are expected to rule along these specific type of guidelines 
But they're, they're only it's, in certain cases are there mandatory minimums because of a Supreme Court ruling that does not bind the justices or the judges mm-hmm. to these sentencing guidelines. And that's why in two of the cases uh, that I think were actual pedophile cases or like actual sex abuse cases, she had to go with the mandatory minimum of like 60 months. But in the other ones where she had discretion, she ruled lower or she sentenced lower. And so my only real issue with her is that she had the discretion and didn't go with the highest sentence possible. And I recognize as a judge, you can't put your own personal feelings into the rulings, but there are sentencing qualifiers and magnifiers, like using a computer and stuff that she didn't take into account because she's like, oh, what all happens on computers nowadays? I don't give a shit. If yeah. there's a qualifier there to make it worse because it happened on a computer, then do that. Yeah. I don't care if you think it's not a good idea. If it's there, then do that. Yeah. So we've been going on for a minute. Zeke, do you have any thoughts on this? Sorry. Yeah, I, sorry. I was... No, no, we were, we were I, talking. I, 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 I probably should have paused you at, at when you mentioned uh, the underage people with the uh, consuming underage material. Mm-hmm. Uh, where So you how do you feel about underage people consuming that content? And, and how do you feel about that as it ages, right? So they're, they've been consuming it. They've been caught with that material right. that they kept on their phone. Mm-hmm. And this this question was actually brought, was brought up by Ivan because he can still hear you, so he's just like, ask me about that. Right. Um, and I I don't know, you know, I, I don't know because I've thought that same thing as as we turned eighteen, nineteen years old, you know, like I you got get a new phone, you're like, do you have, you're like, oh, maybe I'll keep these. You're like, oh wait, can I even keep these? Yeah. Because like, you know, when you think about am even, I gonna be a felon now? And it lends to the kind of the same idea of like a picture of yourself. Well, I mean, if you're seventeen years I, old and you have a picture of yourself, is that still child sex abuse imagery? Because it is you. Is that a possession of yours? So it's private. Um, but I think that's an interesting point. I I don't. I don't know. You, I think it's probably a safe idea to not keep it because you're not 18 or you're 18 and you're not underage yeah. anymore. Um, you're 18. Dump your nudes. I Start a new folder. I don't know that there's necessarily a moral quandary for me on that particular issue, but there mm. seems to be that it's a not safe legal gray area that I probably think people should avoid. But at, on a personal level... I don't see really like a moral issue with that. If you're 17 years old when you get these pictures and your girlfriend is 17 years old and then you eclipse 18, I don't think that that then becomes morally wrong that you still have these. Because mm. I think it's a re- questionable... I, I don't know. I don't know. That's I'm going to put yeah, on my well, old no, man. Because I, I don't... So I know that puts you on like the sex offender list. Is that, does that stick for X amount of time? Does that make you a felon also? Like what? I don't know. I know that when it happened, because it happened when we were in junior high, right? That I, was, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. This is like a real that, thing that happened. Yeah. Oh when shit. We were in junior high. It, it, made, it made it on the on the newspaper. Yeah, I'm glad I'm older. It was so a whole leave, thing. That was not a thing we had to deal with when I when was going to school. Thank God. We were in high school. There was a girl who sent um, some pictures and a video of herself to I think th- two for sure, maybe three dudes, and. We were all we're in junior high, so we're 15 at the most because I think maybe we were freshmen. So we're 15. Uh, maybe someone was 16 or whatever, but mm-hmm. we're all underage. And those two guys show it to some other people, and I think maybe they sent it to a third person. I think is what it was, and they so they sent it to a third person, showed it to some other people, and this girl wasn't 
shaving yen and so it was it was a funny thing it was a joke right it became a joke there was like a name involved it was a whole deal when the joking happened obviously that girl found it became very upset which is uh, very yeah. reasonable parents came involved the law became involved people's phones were taken and two of those guys one of them had to be was on a list until they were 18 years old the other one until they were 21 i'm not sure what the Ooh. difference was in those things one of them i kept up with until we were I, until now i just saw them not too long ago so um and until he was 18 years old he had to be on a sex offender registry because he had received and technically distributed these photos yeah and so and isn't it interesting that you do that to somebody that's a child in the eyes of the law and that's and then you get off once you become an adult. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's that's why I, because I came up in this age, I understand that gray area of the law that mm-hmm. you're, you have to register as a sex offender. But also when you were 17 years old or 15 years old, you got to make a nude photo of another 15-year-old. And it, again, is a bad idea, but yeah. it is what it is. And that's what happened, you know, because this is what kids do and it's... I'm not going to justify it, but that's this is what kids do, right? Yeah. Of the technological age. So, I, Ugh. yeah, I want to put my old my old man conservative pants on, man. Like, I have idea. I have always been like this, bro. You never ever share any kind of like if if it's something that you would not mind accident or if you're about to send something yeah. that you would be humiliated if your grandma got it then you don't fucking send it <laughs> like the, it's it. And I know how old man conservative that sounds like you shouldn't be doing that stuff on the internet and blah, blah, blah. You could do it all the time, blah, blah. It's fine. We're all adults. You know. Man, do you want to send that shit to your mom? I've sent this because like it happens, dude. Like it's just not a good fucking idea. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to I mean, you can at least, at least, at least use that. Uh, what's the, like the Google or no, the, on Apple, you oh, could like, just like transfer it yeah. over to somebody. That's what like Signal is for. You yeah. Know? And like shit like that. Right. Like encrypted yeah. messaging. Yeah. An no actual encrypted messaging app. There you go. <laughs> I just don't funny. get it, man. Like. And like I said, like too old, man. really early <laughs> on, like it used to be the rule that when you right. were on the internet, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you didn't even use your fucking name. Yes. And now look at us, oh, bro. Now like, you can be on OnlyFans and you can fucking, you know. And make a really good living. So, That's a whole other can of worms. Jesus yeah. Christ. So those were kind of the issues, I think. Let me read through this to make sure that there's nothing else that I'm missing mm-hmm. here. Um, there's this this guy, and this is an example of what I was talking about. Hawkins. This is from the article that I sent you, Zeke, from the New York Post. Um, this is a quote from her. I am not persuaded that two years is necessary, she ruled, arguing that such a sentence does not account for mitigating factors, including Mr. Hawkins's future potential. Further explaining her decision, she disputed the severity of the evidence investigators presented and suggested the more than 600 images they caught him with, quote, don't signal an especially heinous or egregious child pornography offense. So that's one of the things she was continually questioned about. I can I understand the justification that she explained. I, I don't agree. And I mm-hmm. am obviously for fairness in eyes of the law. I believe in all, all of the things. I don't want to go through the, the fucking list, but I just don't. It, it crosses a line for me. I don't care about this. And I, I I don't care about whatever the reason is of, like, his future potential. Fuck you. It's it, Like you just said, it's on the internet forever. Yep. You, by 600 images, man. More created than. another avenue in which someone could intercept these. 
these images are never gone. They are on the internet mm -hmm. forever, and you took part in that. Even if you never, you never used them, you never whatever. I don't care. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Yep. And I know that I'm not the only one who feels this way. Hard fucking not, not in this room and not in this state and not in this country. Yep. So I just don't, I don't care. And I think it's dark that she didn't use her discretion to add all the qualifiers that she could to put these people in prison for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. I think that it's dark that somehow it was ruled that you could have this type of imagery and you could get as little as three months in jail. She's also talking about... Um, you know, Three there are months, other man. punishments that people get that change their lives forever. Like they can never use a computer unsupervised forever. Fucking good. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if you don't get to use a computer by yourself. I don't give a shit. You downloaded images of children being abused. I don't care. Maybe I don't should... care if you never get to own a computer ever again. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if you get left out of the complete technological fucking loop. I don't give a shit. You yeah. don't get to do things like this and still expect to be in a civilized society. I just don't. Yeah. I'm just not here for it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I, not here I understand for it. that it's severe. I totally recognize that. And I'm okay with it. I just cannot imagine. Yeah. I want severity. One man. of my fucking kids. So I just don't. Just... The, the delicate line there, I think, is um, when somebody is of the mind you know if they're of that like thoughts about things but not acting on things and they go to try to seek help from like some kind of mental therapist or something like that i want there to be a doctor patient confident confidentiality that that can handle something like that because then the doctor would have an obligation uh, and i maybe even legally that if they thought that this person was at an actual severe risk to someone else's, you know, uh, that might cause harm to somebody by acting on those, you know, those things or something like that, like they have an obligation to report and then it goes down a totally different path. But if somebody walks into a therapist's office and says that right off the bat, I still, I want there to, I want there to be an out for them to take. If, if there is somebody that has these thoughts and they talk to a therapist and the therapist feels like they can fix that situation, like I want to err on the side of liberty in that particular aspect. Because until you've committed a crime, that's when the law steps in. But yeah. I, I really just don't want to get too close to thought crime. Too close. I'm, I'm willing to right. get, get real fucking close, but I don't want to walk over the edge. So to, to, poke, to poke a little hole in that and provide a, an actual solution to something that you're actually talking about is I don't ever see someone coming in to see a doctor and be like, hey, you know, I'm having these thoughts. I don't, yeah, I don't think urges. a person would do that yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, in reality, a criminal's it's... not, you know, yeah. not going to go and be like, hey, I just fucking robbed the bank. You know, that's yeah. neither here nor there. But the the solution and it's also kind of a, a scary thing when you think about it is um they've done tests on men and women where they uh you know they say this is you know what they're attracted to whether they're you know homosexual or heterosexual or whatever and they attract these uh these notes to their brain and to their genitalia right and they show them these images whether it's just you know animals having stuff like it, it's it's a, like a variety of things 
okay? And they can tell by, you know, the spikes or whatever, uh, by what gets you aroused and shit. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to tell them, like, verbally, but they can see what gets you, you know, what right. gets you going. Yeah. Interesting. So that, that would be a way, but there's all the... In with everything, if you legislate it, there's all sorts of fucking yeah unintended consequences that could go with that. But if you if that's what you wanted to take care of, that would be uh, one solution that I could think of because that's something that they already do for studies. Yeah, the pedo Turing test, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I don't know, man. Even then, like I understand, like in a reality where that if that system could exist and could be reliable and all that, I could see where that would be a, a really nice, like out, you know, it would really help. But then again, you know, somebody may, part of the problem is, is that we are human that have free will. And yeah. like, you could choose to struggle with something like that and fight against it for your entire life and never act on it. You know, and we do that with, every like all sorts of things in our daily lives i mean there's things you know you struggle to not eat the fucking donut you i don't want to like cheapen pedophilia to that right, type of right. thing but in my right. analogy at this point like you have you're a human with free will who can choose to 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 move past your your baser instincts you know you're not out there trying to rape every single woman you find that you find attractive right you might be thinking it you might be thinking about like, man, what, what what could we get up to? You know, what might that look like? Not I'm raping have... her, but having sex with her. Yourself. Yes, not yeah. You know right. what I'm talking about. Like, you see a girl and you know she's hot. You're like, you can envision certain things. You're like, hey, you know that's, but you know, and I'm sure women do the same shit. You know, they see Jason Momoa and they have a wonderful time up there. You know, that's. I feel like we don't. We move around every day in our daily lives, not acting on our baser instincts like that. And if that is somebody's fucked up, sick and twisted baser instinct, I don't want to, you know, throw them in a cage. Even if we could tell that they have that type of thought, I'm still just like, I'm uncomfortable with that kind of thought crime, I guess, really. It all comes down mm -hmm. to that. But in a, in a realistic scenario, it would make sense. Right. But, um... So as other than like the, the the kind of light sentencing and like the convoluted gray area of the sentencing guidelines around those types of yeah. things, like what are some other like kind of uh all, you know standout moments during the uh, the hearings? Um, she took some hits for a, an amicus briefing, I believe it was that she signed onto and helped draft that was regarding the enhanced interrogation techniques using Guantanamo. And in this briefing, it was said in there that they were akin to war crimes and that the president and the secretary of state, because they're the ones that okayed them, were uh, a party to them. And so she took some hits because some of the Republicans said, you called George Bush and Donald Rumsfeld war criminals. And the Democrats said, no, she didn't. She just was on a brief in which... They said that the president and secretary of state committed war crimes. And then the next day, the Republicans said, well, what's the difference between saying that someone committed war crimes and saying that they're a war criminal? So to which my point is, 
you fucking tort they torture people so they're war criminals anyway so i yeah. don't what is the difference on whether or not you're calling them war criminals they were fucking war criminals they they okayed enhanced interrogation techniques that we know now don't work mm. so what is what does it fucking matter we're not going to put them in jail or try them for war crimes anyway regardless of what she said we know that so why does it matter yeah. because do you expect her I guess it matters because they expect that when she gets on the Supreme Court that she will rule that if a case comes up about those tactics, she will rule that they are not war crimes. But she should say that they're crimes because you, you're fucking torturing people. You're just holding them on foreign land so they aren't covered under constitutional principles. Mm -hmm. That's dark. And I think that it edges a little bit too close to war crimes for you to call it anything else other than that. So I would expect and hope as an American citizen that if she's on the Supreme Court and she's faced with a decision to decide whether or not enhanced, enhanced interrogation techniques are war crimes or are illegal or legal, I would hope that she rules that they should be fucking illegal and unconstitutional. That is what I would hope. Yeah. And I think for the Republicans to try and lean another way is very dark and says something about their continued perspective on that part of American military history. What are your fucking takes on that? I'm, I'm processing. <laughs> Zeke, I'm you got thinking. anything off the top? No. I mean, no. it sounds like amen, brother. Yeah. That's, yes, that that's kind of like... what I feel like. The only yes. thing to <laughs> also kind of remember, though, is that, like, it's not just, you know, it's not like the, the just the neocons are super into torturing people. These, these, no, no. Any of these just... long term motherfuckers that have been around since the 1970s, yeah, 1960s, no, no. They, they all are part of the club, man. None of them actually believe that it's wrong. And even if they do, they don't give her. They don't give a shit. They're above us. These are just they, we, they're ants, man. We don't need to think about them. They were just they the only ones. Yeah, exactly. They just don't want themselves to be waterboarded. They were just the only ones trying to spin it and turn it on her that she yeah. had signed on to a briefing in which, you know, they had claimed these things, which is Again, you signed on to anyway. a briefing too, like Okay. Yeah. That's but that's the crime. One of the biggest things that I took from this leans to exactly what you guys talked about before we kind of got into the meat of it was just exactly how politicized this entire event was yeah. you know so many of the senators just talked about their own personal issues for the time that they had questioning dick durbin <laughs> is just a horrific horrific senator and every time the republicans would have their time he would they were saying editorialize that's the word they were mm -hmm. using he would editorialize he would bring up an article oh well actually you know you said this but this justifies what she said so i'm going to go ahead and enter this into the record and then a democrat would question for 30 minutes and then he would let the republican go and then he would do the exact same thing so he would undercut everything they said at any time even if it didn't really undercut their argument um, yeah so it but that isn't to say that Lindsey Graham is not also a piece of shit because he he did the exact same thing. He just definitely a piece of shit. Brown the whole time. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's a. It's just a different kind of it shit. It was hard to watch. Yeah, I'm it was yeah. very hard to watch. I'm really glad I didn't have the opportunity to watch it but in we do its it entirety. For you guys. We do yeah. it for the audience. That's right. You do it for the audience, buddy. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Shit, you, shit you put yourself through, Bravo. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, if I get a new job here real quick, I'm sure I'll have more time. There you go. <laughs> Be right there with you again. Once again, back in the trenches. Um, yeah, so that's about 
that's pretty much it. I think like the main issues that she got hit on. Um, they talked to her about critical race theory because she's on the board of, a of school directors of a school where a private school where they have you know some Ibram Kendi books and shit like that. I don't obviously I don't agree with that. She's not one of the ones crafting what the curriculum looks like in that school. She's on the board of directors, so she probably just is financially invested in this school. Yeah. Her children may or may not go there. I don't know, but she's got some connection it would, somewhere. It would only concern me to the extent that some form of critical race theory involved case would make its way to the Supreme Court. Um, but that's a lot of ifs to throw out to say, well, you can't be on the Supreme Court just in case this happens maybe one day in the time that you're alive. And also there isn't a conservative majority or a majority in which would rule against critical race theory. That's a lot of ifs for me to try and put together to say you shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. So, um, was there much talk about her history of like how long she's been a judge, how young she is? Is there any concern with her age that came up? Not particularly. I think she's been a judge for like 10 years. And then before that, she was a public defender. Um, she was a trial judge for a while. And she's worked in the appellate courts. Mm-hmm. Um, is where she's been in. She's been in D.C. the vast majority of the time. She was one year younger than Ted Cruz at Harvard. So they went to school together. Huh. So they knew each other when she went there. So... Um, <laughs> they hit her this was another thing they hit on incestuous bro. hit her a lot on yeah. not saying whether or not she was an originalist or a contextualist and she had a whole spiel of like i don't have a judicial philosophy i have a uh fuck what was she, uh, judicial framework or something it was like three steps that she takes you know make sure that i'm being objective make sure this make sure this and that's how i make sure that i'm being the best judge all the time so i, I don't Again, I don't know why it matters so much uh, that she fits into one category or the other. I understand that that's an easy way to differentiate, to try and differentiate ways that she may she may rule in the future. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything, you know? So yeah. I don't have any issues with that. Um, so, Zeke, let me ask you this real quick. Um, kind of along those lines. Because of, I guess, the the convoluted nature of how these Supreme Court nomination, nominations, you know, get picked and then the, the, the circus show that is the nomination process, you know, I find myself very disillusioned by the, the sanctity of the Supreme Court in general. Um, do you wh- – what are your thoughts on, you know, the – I don't want to use sanctity again, like uh, the uh, validity – of the Supreme Court on the on the social on the social level, you know the way we citizens can perceive the the like if the effective. Supreme Court the legitimacy of legitimacy. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. The how how legitimate do you find the Supreme Court these days, and why? It's a big question. It is a big question. It, I guess. It, yeah. It Take a second a to digest. I, I, would, I would. I mean, I would almost say not that effective Mm -hmm. because i mean they've just been so stagnant for i don't know since the 40s yeah whenever like the the last major at least in my eyes the last major decision was like uh roe v wade big one for me yeah for me or brown versus board of education Mm -hmm. i mean 
other than that, there hasn't been something earth shattering of, uh, of substance. Yeah. That, that has come from them. I mean, they'll take, you know, these cases, but, um, yeah, I, and my problem with it, just to kind of spin you in a, a different direction, I guess, is the right. the fact that like it's be, it's become so blatantly just political. It's 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 red oh, team yeah, versus yeah. blue team, and you know they have conservative judges and they have the liberal judges, and then it's just a tit for tat, tit for tat. Everybody got super worried because Trump got three of them, and right. and now it's like mm-hmm. okay, now we have our one, so it's a safe vote. And so I find myself really not giving a shit anymore about the Supreme Court. Like, I understand the impact of, you know, we've got a Roe v. Wade type of hearing coming up at some point soon. And there's some pretty major decisions to be looked at. What will come of them, we don't know at this point. A lot of times the Supreme Court looks at a severely, you know, impactful possible decision. They go, ah, that's not for us to do. You you guys got to handle it on the appellate level. Then it kind of disappears. But I just... It's become so political to me. I I don't really see it as anything other than a, this weird like political lever that just it always clicks to the left or it always clicks to the right, and depending on who is okay. in power and how many people die. I see. All right, that's what you were getting. At. Yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly what it is. It's just it's exactly a tit for tat thing, and but it also goes back to what Donovan said. It doesn't really shift the power that much mm-hmm. because we're led to believe that this judge is like super conservative or this judge is super liberal but we have nothing really to go off of to make these assumptions it's just what the media is telling us that these judges are gonna are like how they're going to do it mm-hmm. but they haven't done anything yet. right yeah like let, let them let the let them speak for themselves yeah and then <clears throat> you know and honestly if they weren't so fucking like psychopathic about it and like looking to catch somebody you know, tripping over one word or how they phrase this if if there wasn't that fear of political and corporate press backlash and you just let these people talk like human beings, we'd have a lot better idea of who these people are at the end of the day. You know, if they could sit there and be grilled for 16 hours and have no fear of reprisal other over than just the, the content of what they say and not how they say it or you know you say a, a boo-boo word you right know? right if it was more like a fucking podcast you could sit down and just talk to these people for 16 18 24 hours some of these things go for days and days and days you'd actually have a really good understand the public would have a good understanding of who these people are at their core how they think how they process information it's why joe rogan is so possible it's it's because you you put people out there long enough for who they are as a person to bleed through you get a good grasp of who they are as a general human being after hours of conversation but the more politicized this entire body and endeavor becomes Mm -hmm. the more you see these justices either answer in the way that they believe the public wants them to answer or say nothing at all yeah and that becomes an enormous issue because the more influenced the supreme court is by public pressure by what is I don't. Even, I don't want to say popular because the Supreme Court is supposed to be doing what is what is good, what is the right thing, regardless of what might be best under current public perception. Mm-hmm. Right? They need to do what is the right thing under the Constitution. And the more influenced they are by politics, the further 
disillusioned the general public may become. Mm -hmm. And the only power the Supreme Court has is their perceived legitimacy by the citizens themselves. They don't have anybody to enforce their laws because they don't write laws. They don't have anyone to enforce the rulings. They don't have an army. They don't have anybody to enforce anything. All they have yep. is written decisions and those decisions to be interpreted by the legislative branch and turned into laws. If yep. the citizenry no longer sees those decisions as legitimate, the Supreme Court means nothing anymore. And if they are ruling consistently against what the people want, what the people actually want, because they're ruling what is in favor of what is politically popular, their power is completely removed. Mm -hmm. And when a third branch is removed and you're looking at essentially the legislative and executive branch and then the general masses, I don't know what you even call that system. Mm -hmm. I think essentially it kind of goes back to what does I was... that make sense? What I know it does. Know, does that make sense? What no, I it does. I, I think it was like a little bit rambly. So I don't, I think that makes sense. Um, it, because it essentially effectively, if the populace perceives the do the, the most, you know, the highest court in the land as they're so fond of saying, if, if they look at them and say, it doesn't really matter what you guys say, it's just politics. It's just Democrats versus Republicans and conservatives versus whatever the hell the left is calling themselves that decade. Uh, it, it, the legitimacy already goes away. And at that point, the only shred of legitimacy they hold on to as, is as a single on or off switch, a single lever of political uh, – it's their – they're a single action political ap apparatus at that point. They're no longer – their opinions don't matter anymore. It's just a matter of how many votes they get and which direction it lands. What do you think, Zeke? Is that more or less your I, thinking? More or less, yeah. Dark times, bro. That was a big one. That was it. Dark I had, times. I had my brain pumping there for a second. Yeah. Okay, so let's oh, talk about healthy. something a little bit, a little bit easier. Well, yeah, right. Not totally easy, but a little bit easier. Um, let's go. Do you want to talk about the Amazon Union or Amir Locke? Uh, let's talk about Amir Locke real quick. Okay. Because I put it in the thumbnail. <laughs> so Amir Locke was a case, was a man that was killed in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, he Barely was, a man, dude. The guy was young. Young boy. He was Ugh. asleep in his cousin's house. The police showed up with a no-knock warrant looking for his cousin. Yeah. Um, this is in Minneapolis, by the way. Minneapolis. They Post had... George Floyd, correct? Yes. Yes. This was just, um, this was this year, February yeah. 2nd, um, in St. Paul. And the police had a key to the residence, actually. And they showed up there. Amir Locke had a gun next to him that he was legally allowed to carry. He picked up the gun when the people came into the, when the police officers came into the house. Mm -hmm. He woke up and he grabbed the gun and he was shot because he had the gun in his hand. Yep. They uh, announced, I think, two weeks ago, this is from April 6th, so 10 days ago, um, that there would be no charges for the police officers who killed Amir Locke in this incident. Um, <sighs> and it should be in, I think it should be stated too that Amir Locke was not named in the search warrant either. No, he was not he was a, a subject to be of interest. The house. Yeah, he was happening to be crashing at his cousin's house. Yes, and uh, was as, staying on the couch in the apartment when authorities entered on yeah. February second without knocking as part of an investigation into a homicide in neighboring St. Paul. Yeah, I watched the uh, body cam footage of this last night as the la and it ended my night. I was, I am so tired of these fucking no knock warrants, dude. 
breaking into somebody's private fucking property, uh, hell bent on, you know, uh, what's the right word? Uh, spiriting, you know, you spirit away somebody. You just you black bag them and you throw them in your, you know, in the cruiser and you take them downtown. You're just pulling somebody out of their private property in the middle of the fucking night or first thing in the morning. This was like early. It was just after six, I think, or you know, between it's six still and dark seven. Outside. People are and, still sleeping. Yeah, people are still sleeping. Dudes passed out on the couch, wrapped up in a blanket, man. And as I would do, I'd have my gun sitting right there too because that's why else do I have it if I if I can't get right. at it. Mind you, I don't have it right now. I kind of feel bad for just saying that. But, um, you know, it. and the cops bust down your door, whether or not they kicked it in or they had a fucking key somehow. They come in your house and you don't know what's going on. You're passed out. You wake up. You grab your gun because who the fuck are these people coming into my house yelling and screaming? They're all in fucking body armor and shit. I grab my gun, too, and then I die. Yeah. Because, because the state decided they had the right to come into your fucking house. Where, or a private domicile, because this was not his house. It was his cousin's place, right? Yeah. And they obviously didn't do their fucking due diligence because they came in and murdered somebody that wasn't even on the goddamn search warrant. I'm so tired of these fucking no-knock raids. We keep talking about them because they won't fucking die. This is post-Minneapolis, George Floyd, post-Breonna Taylor, all the shit. And this was still allowed to happen. Yep. I'm fucking done with these people, dude. I'm done with them. If they... Oh, yeah, dude. I'm, yeah, I'm getting angry right now. Sorry. No. What's your take on this, Zeke? Um, so I, I'm not too caught up on all this. And you, you guys just said that they're, they've already, it's open and shut. They're not pursuing charges on, yeah. yes. on the officer. Yeah. Yes. This is a quote from all this right. article. This, and this is from the Star Advisor, which is actually a Honolulu newspaper. So I got it from Ground News. This is supposedly a high factuality newspaper, so that's why I have this article here. And I will send it to you if you give me just one second. Um, there is insufficient admissible evidence to file criminal charges in this case. Specifically, the state would be unable to disprove beyond a reasonable doubt any of the elements of Minnesota's use of deadly force statute that authorizes the use of deadly force by Officer Hanneman. Yeah. yeah. It's well, because if only there was some way for citizens to like I don't know repeal certain laws mm. or talk to the legislature. No, Imagine just, there that. was just yeah, it just if there was just some system to talk about that, you know, fix yeah. it. But anyway, um, fucking tragedy, man. It, it's it's fucking terrible that 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 keeps fucking happening. It it blows my mind that it even that it keeps happening. Yeah. Um. Could you clarify for me if uh, they are allowed to, if in the state of Minnesota, do you know if they run like a, a check if you own like a firearm? I Ooh. do not know. I, don't know. I know okay. that the reason that this no-knock warrant was okayed is because the person they were going after had a history of being violent. And that's why the no-knock warrant was pursued and that's it that's why it's such an odd circumstance because amir lock they didn't know he was going to be there he happened to be there with his firearm he has no criminal charges in his past to my understanding that could be incorrect um but they didn't know he was there the reason the no-knock warrant was okayed by the county uh was because the person they were looking for was known to be was known to be violent known to be violent huh and, this, and that gives the state um, to in kick their in your applications door. for search warrants of the Minneapolis apartment and other locations. Authority said a no knock warrant was necessary to protect the public and officers as they looked for guns, drugs and clothing worn by people suspected in violent killings. Authorities asked that officers be allowed to conduct the search warrant without knocking and outside the hours of 
7 a.m. and 8 p.m. because the suspect being sought in the January 10th killing of Otis Elder had a history of violence. It just sounds like they didn't do their homework. Locke was killed seconds after the SWAT team entered the apartment where his family said he was staying. Body camera video shows an officer using a key to unlock the door and enter, followed by at least four officers in uniform and protective vests, timestamped about 6 minutes 48 Oh, 6.48 a.m. as they enter and repeatedly shout police search warrant. They also shout hands and get on the ground. Uh, and that's when Amir Locke gets up and he has a gun in his hand and they yeah. shoot him. The whole thing was less than, I think, 10 seconds before the shot was fired. The video shows an officer kicking a sectional sofa and Locke is seen wrapped in a comforter holding a pistol. Three shots are heard and the video ends. And I've seen the video. I don't know that it, it's not in this article, but you can find it. Yeah. Um, it's it's still out there. Yeah. But. I wouldn't want to push it out there, to be honest. It's, I, it's not... It's never a good time watching somebody die on camera. No. It's because, I mean, he was pronounced dead at the hospital after they rushed him to the hospital. It was like less than, I think, 15 minutes later. But, I mean, he sat there, bled out, and died. That's, yeah. yeah. When you're that close, I mean, it's pretty yeah. difficult to miss. Yeah. Especially, I'm pretty sure the police officers had rifles, so it's, it's pretty impossible to miss. It was miss the SWAT team. From, yeah. So it's pretty yeah, impossible yeah. to miss from five feet away yeah. with a rifle like that. You got unreal. You got man. the you got the element of surprise. You don't have to jump on him already. Yeah. You see a guy, and that gives you the excuse to just pop, pop. Yeah. And that's exactly what the that's, officer said. Yeah, is that he felt like you know that his yeah. his life was in danger because he saw the firearm. Yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm so done yeah. with hearing that as a fucking excuse because you live in a goddamn country that has a Second Amendment. You should assume that everybody you are going to interact with as a police officer is and will be armed. You know, can and will be armed because we live in a country with the Second Amendment that allows that you need to if you're going to put yourself in that situation, you need to understand that you may get shot at, probably will get shot at. You're going to break into somebody's house at six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, whenever it is. If you don't expect to get shot at. I don't know what you're doing there. I don't, I don't know why you would expect not to get shot at and to go in there with the mindset you don't know who's on the other side. This is not a fucking war here, man. This is like domestic, inner city. Whatever. I mean, this is Minneapolis. The it's, war on drugs, man. The, the war, war on, on fucking drugs. Yeah, that's, I forget. We are at war because we've been at war with war drugs. With drugs. Crime. I'm, I'm so done with this shit. And that, yeah, as soon as it was like, well, yeah, he's got a, he's got like a violence charge and a drug charge or something like that. It's probably his cousin, I, just, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, I, I only bring up the I only brought up the gun registry is because if they did their homework and saw that he had a gun, then maybe they probably would have would have. Yeah. Uh, but this wasn't the guy. This was this. Yeah, this right. was uh, his cousin. But they still didn't do their homework. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know failed to realize that you know the guy that they're looking for wasn't there in the first place, and they yep. killed the wrong person yep. essentially. Since then, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey announced an immediate moratorium on such warrants on the no-knock warrants, and on Tuesday, he formalized a new policy that will take effect Friday, requiring officers to knock and wait before entering a residence. Some lawmakers have also been pushing for a statewide ban on no-knock warrants, except in rare circumstances. You know, you know what's really fucked up about that is everybody's passing up their own responsibility on this. If yeah. you say the mayor... Yes, the mayor did announced that. the immediate moratorium on the warrants. So, if the mayor has the authority to, to you know, to authority to to throw down a moratorium, he also has the authority to tell the cops what to do or, or not to do. And he doesn't say stop fucking doing this. He yeah. said we're going to put a moratorium on it. Just make it. Just get rid of that. You 
you right there in the law. I mean, it's obviously something wonder, you, as the executive of the city, have some you have power over. It might it might need to be done by like the policing commission. You know, mm. if they if they're the ones that dictate the policy of the departments, then yeah, there's probably like a, a, a state, limited power type of thing. The mayor could be like, stop now. Commission, yeah. But doesn't the, doesn't the state okay it at the end of the day? Like these yes. these practices yeah. are okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's yes. This is why only only in in the in the in the attempted accuracy. That's the only mm. reason that I say that okay. <clears throat> because it doesn't remove, like you said, it doesn't remove anyone's the liability or the responsibility because no one yeah. is doing anything outside of the mayor who's announcing the moratorium on them when yeah. they shouldn't be there in the first place. You know, yeah. it shouldn't be left to the executive to lay down the hammer of this is not going to happen anymore oh, because yeah. the, because the legislature has uh, effectively removed itself and the, the judicial branch of our state has not ruled against these yet. So, yeah, at that point, you're looking to your dictator being like, please help us. Right. When should be handled at the congressional level. Yeah. So, um, another unfortunate killing, and I hope to fucking stop seeing these things, man. I just couldn't be yeah. more against no-knock warrants. Um, I, I agree with you in the sense that I feel like as a police officer, if you're going to no-knock someone's house, you should expect that they likely have a firearm, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think that – I don't know. I don't – I don't think it's right that I should be shot in my fucking house because I have a gun. You yeah. Know? yeah. If I'm a cop busting into your house, I, sh I should expect to be shot. Yeah. And I should know as as especially the, if it's a stand your ground state. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. And the fact that we have to think about whether it's a stand your ground state or not. I was thinking about that on me, the way here. Right. I don't know whether or not we live in a stand your ground state. I was thinking about mm. getting in in an interaction in which I have to draw. I saw I saw a video last night of a. Uh, it was the ending of a traffic altercation in which two people are arguing. They both got out of their cars, like in an apartment complex. One person saying, you blew through the stop sign, blah, 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 blah. And he ends up pulling a knife on the second person. The second person happens to be a police officer who pulls an off-duty police officer who pulls his gun on this guy and then argues like with his mom and his wife and, you know, whoever else is there. And it turns out to be fine. The guy walks away. But I thought about what the fuck if i'm in a situation and someone pulls an knife on me i'm absolutely going to pull my gun i'm not going to consider getting stabbed you know yeah. but i probably have to say something you know for my own legal protection i probably have to say like stop or like you're threatening me or i feel like you're endangering my life or something to that mm -hmm. extent even though i'm not a police officer before i fucking dispatch this person i have two things you know? for you yes because we have a real life scenario where Something similar to this happened in fucking Palsbo months ago at this okay. point. Yeah, I think it might have been even last year at this point. But And then here's something from whatever this is worth. I don't know much about the site, but WashingtonGunLaw.com. Mm -hmm. It says, uh, stand your ground law allows an individual who is lawfully permitted to be where they are to use any force necessary to defend from an imminent threat or serious bodily injury or death. So um, there is no duty to retreat. Excellent. Now, that being said... Uh, from the random gun law website um, in Palsbo, not that long ago, there was a situation in which somebody had gone to one of the local bars, been really fucked up. I think they might have been on some kind of drugs at that at, at some point. I don't I don't quite recall. They got refused service and they recklessly sped through Palsbo and went to another bar and then were refused service again and then recklessly ran down the rest of the room. 
uh, to the road and then caused like a two or three car pile up, smashed you know car, got out, walked to the house of one of the actually it was like a couple doors down from one of my coworkers. And he went up and he was like banging on the door, demanding to get in. He's got to get in, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually he tried to force his way in. And the person opened the door and he shot him and killed him. And they're fine. And they, it, was, it was called a justified shooting. And the guy was trying to break into their house and he shot and killed him. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and they're fine now. So it must have some kind of stand your ground law if that's the way it is. And, I don't know why you would have to have a law to defend your right to defend yourself, but in this state, I would assume you might have that. But it sounds right, like in Washington guys, State, you guys have better gun laws than we do, actually, in that respect. Because someone can break into our house and we can shoot them, but if they are running, we can't shoot them if they're outside of our property because we run the risk of hitting someone else with our with our firearm. Which, yeah, we may get them, but then guess what? We go, we we get that we get that jail time. Oh, that's fucked up. See, it's I don't ridiculous. I, I hate that so much, man. And, and the idea of this, if if somebody is breaking into your property and they run off your property, but like, what if they just yeah, I don't know, killed your? I don't want to create a scenario, but the fact that you what if they go and get their friends and come back, fuck exactly, them. Yeah, fuck them, fuck them, put them down, dude. You know, just because they walked across the property line, they're coming back to kill me. I'm gonna shoot you in the ass at the very least. <laughs> Forrest Gump, exactly. your ass. <laughs> they shot me lieutenant dan yeah fuck that yeah um so let's see here i'm glad we lightened it up right at the end that was yeah, yeah, real yeah, angry. Yeah. no knock warrants piss me off last thing i have as far yeah. as the grab it goes we talked about jen Saki a little bit she's a shill it's fucked up yeah um in the going to msnbc that piece of shit right right piece uh, of shit yeah in the effort of transparency the two previous sarah sanders and kaylee McEnany did go and work at news companies when they left but they were out of office yeah. when they did that i yeah. think sean spicer did the like, same thing too yeah and i think kaylee McEnany was like the next day but yeah. she was at least out of fucking office right at least she waited till she was out of office before she, she wrote up the contracts um i think she's on fox now i would assume yes yeah? yeah, yeah, she's on Fox. Yeah, Ooh. so she's on Fox, but and I'm sure she was in talks or something. But fuck, man, I it's dark. It it's not dark. It doesn't look good that you're still in this sitting position in the White House, and these reports are already coming out that you're going to take a job at MSNBC. Yeah, like, it's just not a good look. Yeah, the fact that people know that you're using your current job as you know, part of your resume. And you obviously don't believe in this administration because you're trying to get the fuck out of it. Yeah. You're not even, you're halfway through and you're trying to get the fuck out. You might have another guaranteed two years if you're really, really fucking hopeful that the guy doesn't keel over tomorrow. No. So one of us is out here, Amazon Union, right? <clears throat> yes. It's a warehouse called JFK 8 and it is on Staten Island. They had their union vote. I had literally drove by there the other day. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so they had their union vote. That's the very first Amazon factory to have been unionized. Um, there's obviously still the collective bargaining and everything to happen there, um, mm. but they did have their vote. I'm trying to find the. This one was right particularly now. interesting, if I recall correctly, because this was the first time a, a, a contemporary Amazon unionization attempt. Um, has been done where they created their own union and didn't try to yes. join another. Like, yes. this is not a t an existing Teamsters or anything. This is a bottom-up oh, 
actual, you know, they created their own union. Yes. Um, their Chris Smalls is the, the leader of the Amazon union push now. And he was previously fired from Amazon. There's, this is always happening all the time. And yeah. I just have such a difficult time with this because it's like this pro union person was fired for showing up to work three hours late. Well, mm -hmm. bitch, you also showed up to work fucking three hours late. So what do you want from me? Like, yeah. it sucks you got fired. You also fucking showed up to work three hours late. Yeah. So I get pissed at my guys if they show up five minutes late and don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I understand because I've worked. A, I, you know what I'm saying? I've worked a job forever. But also, if you know that you're doing shit that your company doesn't like, maybe you should be an exceptionally good employee so you don't have any reason to lose your job. So if they do fire you, then it's obvious or you have a better argument that it is because they're trying to union bust, right? If you're fucking trying to make a union, why would you also show up to work three hours late? That just seems stupid to me. Um, right. But this union is there. The vote was 2,654 votes in favor and 2,131 opposed with 67 ballots being challenged. Um, yeah, so they started their own union, like Colin said. Some of the other unions, the Teamsters and stuff like that, said they didn't really believe that it would work, and so they just made their own Amazon Labor Union is what it is called. So we have talked about unions a few times. Like I said, in episode 123, we compared the PRO Act to this uh, bill that Marco Rubio has introduced or tried to introduce uh, that involves taking a an employee and making them a non-voting member of the board of directors of a company and using that to allow them to have influence into the day-to-day -day operations and long-term operations and things like that and so obviously pro-union people are against this because oh they're non-voting and they're blah, blah blah so we talked about those things what are what are some thoughts that you have on this if you want to talk about unions in general and also this specific decision I mean, just talking about unions in general, um, since it's not government, I don't necessarily have an issue with it. Uh, like if it means keeping your job, I'm always for a union. I'm not for a union constantly, you know, giving you a, a pay raise for no reason, mm -hmm. basically. Because there, there are some places that give raises just for existing. You're not getting any better quality of goods or whatever. It's just whatever. Um, Raises the cost but, of the consumer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact the cost is going to definitely get passed on to the consumer. So, um, I think the overall thing with this Amazon uh, unionization, it's I, long term, not going to be good. It's not going to pan out well for consumers. It might pan out well for the people who are working there. But for the consumer, I would say brace brace up over the long term. Mm -hmm. It would Not make sense. Pan out well. yeah. yeah. What do you got on on unions, Ivan? What's yes, your welcome what's your, back? Yeah, welcome back, sir. Thank you. Uh, I think that in today's day and age, I mean, let me preface what I'm about to say with: I think that everyone should make an, uh, a livable earn uh, wage, and, and I'm all for being being able to uh, work. But at the same time, I think it's absolutely absurd to think that uh, to to force an employer to to do something that that is against their interests, especially if it's a private company. If it's a public company, I guess it's a different story. Maybe it changes the equation a little bit. But yeah. uh, but if it, especially if it's, a, if it's a private company, then 
I mean, you're, you're skating on some real thin ice. If I'm the owner of the business, then I'm going to start seriously considering pulling a Walmart, right. And start automating processes that I really don't need to, um, that I don't need people for anymore. Uh, um, I'm going to get rid of checkout people at the, uh, the checkout. I'm going to be getting rid of, uh, uh, any sort of manufacturing things that can be done by robots. I'll be doing some cost benefit analysis that'll that um, be looking really deep into, you know, things that aren't going to let me down and ask for vacation and pay raises and boohoo and, and ask for all this, all this other bullshit. Right. Um, I think that it's, it's a really interesting position that we're finding ourselves in anymore with, especially with automation and robotics and stuff. It's people have to be careful. They mm -hmm. really do. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll just add on to that, and particularly to the Amazon situation. Um, I think if anybody go, goes through at least the contemporary, like the last six months of this podcast, you'll find me as a relatively anti-union individual. Um, but I have also found myself defending people like like the the union in Staten Island. I'm glad they got unionized, man, because let's let's put it this way. Jeff Bezos does not need to keep those people employed. He can invest a little bit of money and with a series of smart conveyance systems and some automation, every single warehouse Amazon job can be automated, period. And it would not be a big investment on his part, mm -hmm. and he would save a shit ton of money on the back end. You know, it wouldn't you know, take the long. The only reason why he's not, the only reason why he's not doing that is because of the tax breaks he's getting for employing those people. Yes, 100%. Because because it benefits his bottom line currently. I'm going to employ the minorities. I'm going to get the tax breaks. <laughs> yeah. They're going to shit on me for not paying them more. And I'm going to say, do you want robots? Or do you want $15 an hour? Exactly. <laughs> and they're going to say, I want $15 an hour. And if you look, Dude, like Staten Island, bro. It's like I genius. lived on Staten Island for three years. Like I know the economy of Staten Island. They benefited greatly from that Amazon warehouse being where it was. A lot of people got jobs that didn't have jobs before, and they're making more money now than they were before. Even before this unionization effort, the the Amazon warehouse in Bremerton, technically Bremerton. Yeah, which, yeah. yeah, the I outskirts. Want, the outskirts. The city of Bremerton is massive, ex expansive, and does not make sense. But... You put that essentially. I think of that thing sitting in Gorst. It's it's right between Gorst and the airport. So I have a feeling you guys kind of can generally know where that is. Gorst needs those jobs. It's a good thing for those people to be there, and a lot of people have a more decent living now than they would have, or their commute is a lot shorter, and they don't have to have as much hassle in their daily lives to make a a decent a, you know, an oak. They can get by. I don't want to say it. I think they make good. at least fifteen dollars an hour there. Yeah, I would assume. I mean, that's what Amazon pays, so it's yeah. probably closer to twenty. Excuse me, just because but, it's so close to the shipyard. Yeah, and I'm not. And I know what the housing market is in this area. It's not going to set you up for generational wealth by owning real estate and stuff like that by working it at, in the Amazon warehouse. It'll pay the bills. <laughs> no, it'll get you by. You could pay rent with it. Can rent you can house. make it. Right. So I can get that, but but uh, if this becomes a trend throughout every Amazon warehouse, the the thing that's really going to come is, yeah, the people that end up remaining after the battle to be unionized will have a better paycheck. 
and there's going to be a lot of casualties in the process, and a lot of people will not have a job anymore. But the people that do retain it will be better off. Amazon does have a history of kind of... I mean, they take advantage of their employees, period. Like, I've no treat them like shit. They do. And, like, you hear they the do. horror stories of people, you know, peeing in jars, which I'm like, have you never been on a long road trip? That's, that's just called efficiency. But you hear the nasty stories, right, of them overworking people. They're, they're essentially having people act as robots or do the best thing they can because that's who you're p- competing against. Your job is to oh, compete against yeah, your job being automated. And the minute you make it too hard or too expensive, we're going to solve that problem for you. Um, but I've j- got a question for you, Ben. Yes. So based on exactly what you're saying right there, mm-hmm. um, let's throw out a hypothetical. They do uh, uh, unionize. Shit hits the fan. They say, you know what? We don't need you guys. We're going to go to automate. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you've got a, a large population of a certain geography that is out of work. Mm-hmm. And let's say that this kind of trickles on through the economy where everyone is is doing the exact same thing. We don't need all the personnel. We don't need the, all the overhead. We don't need the, the centralization. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to fire everyone. Now, there's a huge unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> uh, universal basic income, UBI. Uh, what role does this play in in this scenario, do you think it, it needs uh, to some real credence or do you think that it needs to be ignored and innovation needs to come out of this through the pain? So before I pontificate this, pontificate on high, I'm going to put this towards your brother first because I have a lot of things to say about this. So I just want to give the floor to everybody. Hit me last. Uh, so you're asking how universal basic income would play out in this scenario. Yeah, or, or if it even or or if it even has a place. Yeah, it's the Andrew Yang question, yeah. right? Yeah. So, the UBI, uh, as long as the government doesn't regulate it, I think um, the government attempted to bastardize Andrew Yang's UBI policy by monetizing or by printing out money and sending it to uh, the money the COVID over the last two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, if that money was coming from from uh, from private companies, and that were, they you know they weren't forced to, they were and granted they were per, uh, they were given certain promises or certain uh, tax benefits for doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, given all given all that, uh, it I don't know if I would still go down that path because we've seen what happens when we give people free money. Okay, the idea was for people to, you know, it wasn't to live, it wasn't meant to like live off of, it was meant to like, you know, help them pursue other things that they wanted to pursue. And rather than do that, they just said, you know, I can just live off of this and just not do nothing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that it has a, a place in this society. It might work out for a niche of people like Colin Donovan, you, we would do something responsible with it. We would probably invest it or put it towards something that we want to do. Mm-hmm. I bought I, ammo. Yeah. But there's an, oh, there's an overwhelming population, which was just proven to us that could give a shit less. And we're just like, you know what? I can stay home. And I have the excuse of like, 
I'm paying bills. I'm, li- I'm living within my means. Fuck it. Yep. I don't need to work anymore. What do you think, Don? That created, that created mm-hmm. a lot of problems. Oh, yeah. My answer to that would be after having seen the way that the COVID funds worked out, I would sooner be in favor of a renewal of the Civilian Conservation Corps than I would be of, and I'll, 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 I'll expand on that in just a moment, than I would be of universal basic income. Thank you, Colin. The Civilian Conservation Corps is a World War II era program of the New Deal in which they took people who didn't have jobs and they had them restore national parks and do infrastructure projects around the United States and paid them through the federal government. It was a nominal wage and most of the money that they got went back to their families and homes so they could pay the bills. The men themselves didn't get the majority of the money. So in a world where this is necessary, where the government is likely to have to do something, quote unquote, I would sooner be in favor and in support of a renewal of the Civilian Conservation Corps than I would be of a standardized universal basic income. Because at least something's getting on. Because I don't think giving people money is the answer. And I don't think that letting people suffer will strongly enough or broadly enough incentivize people investing in themselves and learning a trade that will that they can't automize and or automate Mm -hmm. so that's my concern is because we saw people be so lazy with universal basic income i don't have the faith that they would be incentivized to try and learn something new i think a lot of people would just fucking die which We've talked about the Thanos theory. That may not be a bad thing, but with for the humanist aspect of I don't want people to just die en masse, I think a better route would be, like I said, a renewal of the Civilian Conservation Corps. Oh, the that's a, the week that's of a heart. very interesting uh, comment because <clears throat> I think that I mean everyone wants a return for the dollar spent and as mm-hmm. a citizen of the of the country everyone wants to see where their money's going and if you're seeing something get done and it's going to benefit everyone um i think that everyone would probably agree with that i i, I certainly do but nobody really um, has a problem paying for police and fire department type of stuff right yeah if right. i have if i see a tangible return here and my the park i drive by that used to be all overgrown and shit now has a bunch of people there that needed some money and now they're all they're making the park nice again Right. I could see that. I feel good about that. And I don't remember what they made at the time. Maybe it was minimum wage. Maybe it was even under minimum wage. I don't know that even in 1940, whatever this was happening, that minimum mm-hmm. wage was even established at that time. They were making a, a nominal amount of money. And like I said, I think two-thirds of it was I, – I would have to do the research again. But I think two-thirds of it went straight home to their family. They didn't even – the men doing the work didn't even see that part of the money. They got a little bit of it so they could buy some food and fucking beers or whatever the fuck. you know. Mm-hmm. But most of it went back home so the people there could pay their bills. All right, let me ask you a, a quick follow-up question. Yes. Not to run down a, a, a rabbit hole, but which do you think is more likely to uh, happen? What do you mean? About uh, the repurposing of oh. people uh, labor, oh. uh, towards a, a civilian conservation corps or more of a, uh, a UBI, no strings attached, uh, just money printer go burr situation. Oh, I think the UBI. People loved it. They loved it. You know, it, it didn't benefit anybody. It benefited very few people in yeah. the long term. It benefited a lot of people in the short term. A lot of people got really fucked up. They did whatever it is. I told you, I bought ammunition. 
I paid off debt and I bought ammunition. That is the only thing I spent any of my COVID relief money on was freeing myself from debt and ammunition. So, and I feel, I feel very comfortable with those purchases that the use of those tax dollars that were returned to me. But like I said, there were a lot of people who bought stupid shit. They bought commodities, TVs, stuff that's going to break in a few years. They're going to have to buy a new one anyway. We didn't do any of that stuff. Um, My favorite were the, uh, the diamond hands people, the apes were created. Yeah. Uh, The apes were created from the stimulus packages from that version of UBI where those people said, fuck you. I'm. I'm, I'm fighting against the short selling of AMC and GameStop. Right. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to dump all this money right back into the system here and tell you to go fuck yourself with it. And I think that was incredibly uplifting. It's probably one of the only things that got us through like certain points of the pandemic <laughs> era, right? It was emotionally. It was like, yeah. thank God for the apes out there causing fucking problems yeah. with their with their free government stimmies. I will say. I will say that when the Green New Deal was proposed, there was a, the three pages of it that it was. There was a small, because we talked about it, however many yeah. episodes ago it was, the only credit that I could give it was that there was a civilian conservation corps style program, mm-hmm. and that's how they were going to build the green infrastructure, was by hiring people who didn't have jobs. Yeah. That was the only credit that I could give to it. Um, and that's so, how you build the socialist utopia. So if the only people who are going to propose it are going to be people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, then I definitely don't think that it will ever happen. And I think that the UBI is far more likely to exist than a yeah. renewal. Because I don't see anybody Wanting reasonable. To I know about that, but I also don't see anybody in Congress now saying, you know what actually worked at one point in time when the rest of everything was fucking people, when we taught people how to work and we reinstilled in them the American spirit by force. Yeah. And then, you know, that during an that, era that were like the internet didn't exist, yeah, a lot it, of like the modern day contemporary right. infrastructure wasn't even conceived of yet. So these people, like, at some point just was like, well, shit, we got to go back to work. I got to go dig ditches again. We're building a dam. It didn't end the depression, but at least you were working and that you knew how to do something new when the war was over and you could try and get a job somewhere else. We should probably say something towards the the citizenry's state of mind and emotional relationship with the overall economy kind of – is a it's the thing that can keep it alive or kill it yeah um and it's just so i'm gonna go ahead and say that at this point my version of you know seeing this ubi essentially attempt utterly fail was kind of a big awakening to me anyways um yeah i had been a relatively big proponent of a ubi situation right and i think mind you the pandemic had some extenuating circumstances that might have made certain people make certain decisions, make worse decisions than if they would have, if the status quo had existed and they just got extra money every month. Kind of when, when we were talking about UBI with Andrew Yang, you know, COVID wasn't a thing yet. It was all still kind of status quo more or less. And it was just like, Hey, how would you like to have an extra 1200 bucks a month or 1800 bucks a month or 1000 bucks a month? Not work overtime. Yeah. Kind of like, what it was like. Yeah. yeah. That was a different situation. But once we saw it really, I, I think we saw it more in a pure form too, because people were yes. literally 
out of work because the government said your your company that you work for, that you rely on for a living to keep a roof over your head and meals on the table, cannot operate because we say so. It's not essential. No, it's not <laughs> essential. You yes. are not essential. Your your life that you have chosen or or have fallen into, whatever it is, the the, the current state of your life where you find yourself now is actually not essential to the operation of this country. So we don't really need you. So here's some money. And that that is a huge fuck you to most of America. Because uh, even the people that continued to work, um, whether they were skirting the rules or not, um, you know, once we were elevated to the status of essential, was you know, we still felt that. We still felt the fact that, like, yeah, I get to work and, and nothing else is open. This is fucked up. This is stupid. I'm not better than the people that run my Domino's. Why can't I have pizza now? That's a bad situation because I think Domino's remained open in no, some capacity. No. But so, but you know a, what I'm talking about. A better about. example, I was a good example at that time yeah. where we were open, right? I work in a – we make medical splints and stuff like that. And we were open because we're a medical facility and it was kind of up to my boss to designate whether or not we were essential. And we were because he wanted to pay people. But there – because no other – physical therapist, occupational therapists were open around the country. We had no orders and no work to do. Yeah. And only the red states that never closed. So like pretty much only Florida and some other small places that we were still getting orders from. But there's, I mean, half the building that had no work to do. And so my bosses ended up taking on volunteer projects. We were making face shields for like four months that they worked with some other companies and got the materials and they do donated our time and those materials to local first responders and hospitals and medical centers and stuff like that. And so they just ate the cost of all the stuff that's again, certainly when tax time came around, some things worked out in their favor. But, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yes. But at the time, you know, they yeah. just ate the cost of that because they didn't want to have to put 45, 47 people mm -hmm. on unemployment yeah. for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that would be terrible. And it was crushing. This was the whole point was it was difficult for me to go to work and to not fucking have anything to do, to do oh, yeah. that same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It did not make you feel like an essential worker just because you still had a job and you were still going to work. You know? Yeah, because that's that weird intermediary where I had work because we were deemed essential after the first, you know, 15 days or whatever it was. Right. And so like, but you know, our, my work by definition has value. And so like you have purpose and all that stuff. But if you're, um, if you're working in manufacturing or something like that, and you're, you can clearly tell if you're the shipyard worker that shows up to work and you're ready to go. And they're like, well, here's a broom. Your job today for the next eight hours is to, is to sweep this building. Right. Like, all right, well, what do you want me to do after the first hour? No, your job today is to sweep the building. Yes. It's not – that doesn't sit well with people, man. Like, it might seem cool to people that, like, work all the time and shit like that. But that's a – what are you supposed to do with yourself all day, man? Just hang out? Well, and, and, and it's, it's fucked up because it's like, well, yeah, what do you got to do? Stand around? It's like, yeah, but that's not rewarding. Rewarding. I don't want to do that all day. Yeah. I want to do something – like that's productive, you know, I don't want to just sit here. Well, and to add to it, like I also like work overtime every week and there's mm -hmm. many people around the country that work overtime every week to make ends meet. And because we didn't have work, I couldn't work overtime. So I also had to use vacation and sick time mm -hmm. continually throughout the pandemic and borrow it eventually and put myself in a deficit so that I could maintain 
the standard of living, which is not we don't you know we don't live a crazy elegant lifestyle. Yeah. We live in a basement apartment underneath Jordan's grandma. Pinky so <laughs> yeah, we don't live a fancy life to maintain that lifestyle. I had to put myself in a deficit for those hours and watch other people not work and make more money than I was to not work. That yeah. that's crushing. That is crushing for people. Yeah. And it wasn't just me, you know, that was experiencing that same deal. Yeah. And I'm much more apt now to 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 be okay, and it sounds callous, but like I'm okay to watch people like sit here and fail because they make really bad decisions in life. You gotta hustle, bro. Like I don't, I I, I work right. too goddamn hard in both my day job, where, and it's not just like a nine to five. Like I own and operate a company, and you know, with a a couple extra folks and stuff like that. But it's still like that's, it takes most of my life, and I think you could probably attest to that. Yes. And then I come home and I, I do the podcast stuff and we have, you know, we have all of our salt, the streets things going and like I hustle my fucking ass off and I am, I feel like I've earned where I am in life. Right. And I don't, I don't like it when I see other people decide that like, because of the particular situation they're in, they don't have to work hard anymore and they can get by just fine and not worry about it. I am much more now a fan of the Thanos project than I ever used to be. I'm okay with watching people fail because they make bad decisions. You know, I'm I'm down with the safety net and I'm all I don't want to prop up people that I don't think should if they don't work hard, I don't want them around. Throw consequences. Yep. Throw consequences. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, and that's really what it is. It's not so much you work hard or not. It's like you make a decision. And you need to pay the consequences. Personal responsibility. Whether that's good or bad. Yeah. I need personal responsibility with consequences, better or for worse, on the other side. And we don't have that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope I that answers the question. <laughs> it, yeah. Absolutely. Word. Excellent. Well, then I think we should probably wrap this segment this up. Part. Yep. And then we'll you come back. back. Really quick? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I missed a, a large part of the of this segment. But I would highly su uh, suggest, as far as like the whole re race relations and uh, and uh, confusion that's going on in in America when it comes to all this sort of stuff, uh, there's a book by um, <clears throat> Ibram Kendi. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, it's uh, Black Rednecks and White Liberals Ooh. by. Um, let me. I was digging up. Uh, all of the books that I've read over the past year, and this one fell perfectly into this discussion. It's very, very good. It's um, written by a Thomas Sowell. Oh, oh Thomas Sowell. Okay, okay. That, that explains it. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, black well, rednecks and white liberals. Two thousand five. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. It it explains a ton. But anyways, that's a, that's all I really want to throw out there. How oh, fucking great is Thomas Sowell, Zeke, by the way? No, oh, absolutely. Do you have anything else you want to add to this, Zeke? No, no, that was pretty good. Okay. Then right. with that, we will take a short little break, three minutes, and we'll be back for the fourth part. We're going to talk to Ivan a lot about macroeconomics. Is that what yeah. we're talking about? Some macros? Yeah. So We're going to learn how to be uh... – we're going to learn how to economically survive the future, I think. I'm probably going to spend yeah. a lot of the time like – Yes. Yes. Yeah. I need so. to work on that. Okay, so we'll be back in three minutes for part four. Thank you guys. Welcome to the south of the streets, coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you ready.